Welcome to another episode of National Energy Talk. I'm Mark Stansbury. This is part two of an interview with Bob Tippy, And uh, as we're confronted uh, with the issues geopolitically, as we talked about in the last episode, uh, this is a continuation on the same date as to what's going on. But with that said, uh, we, we talked uh, about certain issues when it came to oil and gas and the world energy outlook. And uh, we're just touching really on some things here. But uh, there's an issue before us, Bob, that especially over the last few years is environmental social governance, ESG. Um, I could see some advantages of that, but also uh, some challenges to that. I know that uh, we are uh, being confronted in the oil and gas industry. We, we need to build, uh, you know, facilities. Uh, we need a workforce. We need all these things. But we're finding that it's it's tough to uh, get uh, loans and support from financial institutions. Uh, we're finding that the investors are being kind of pu- pushed back, pulled back by investing when we really need investment when it comes to oil and gas. Uh, what do you see in in uh, in your especially in Houston and in in your travels? ESG is, you know, on the surface of it. it- it's it's all well and good. I mean, if it if it's just a way of accounting for what oil and gas and other companies ought to be doing anyway, uh, you know, great. Um, I I I know there's there's more below the the surface though. I, ESG you know kind of becomes the the ticket that that uh, um, companies need to get punched uh, in order to get. Investment from especially like like BlackRock, uh, the huge, huge uh, uh, investment firm that that really is 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 pushing uh, de- decarbonization and uh, uh, and and a, and an agenda that's 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 political and that amounts to assertion of policy by somebody that's not accountable to anybody uh, uh this, this 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 not this is not voted in I, I mean it's somebody exerting uh a political pressure for the sole reason that that, that it controls you know what 10 trillion dollars of other people's money i have problems with that i have, i i i i i don't think that's that's dangerous you know or i i i i think that's dangerous i think that gets us into into uh, an area of of policy making by by elites uh, accountable to no one, and um, uh, and 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 the whole ESG um, system when it's when it's enforced like that is troubling. For for example, I might I might I personally might support the the S part of that, you know, I, 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 I support, and I do, I support diversity and I support, and I support, you know, aggressive efforts to, to, to create um, opportunities for, uh, for people who, who have been disadvantaged and systematically held back in the past. I'm all for that. If I, if I support that, um, as a matter of policy and matter of corporate practice, do then I also have to buy into the E part that says 
uh, climate change represents an existential and imminent threat, which I don't happen to believe it does. Um, in other words, do I have to buy the whole the whole package? Well, the way it's been, the way the way it's going, and the way this you know the 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 movement towards stakeholder um, stakeholder as opposed to shareholder orientation by by companies sort of says, yeah, you have to buy the whole political package here. Well, I have problems with that too. Um, no, no, back on no, back on the climate. Do I think do I think climate change is something that needs to be addressed? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But I do think the threat is is continuously uh, overstated and exaggerated um, in an effort to foster fear and 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 provoke a, a political action. And I don't I, I don't think that's realistic or good because it's going to create uh, human human hardship in the form of energy disruption and elevated cost. So, um, so when, you know, when you dig down a little bit beneath the ESG uh, press notices, you, 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 you find some, you find some political things that, that, that trouble me. And, and, and those, those things are having real consequences. Um, It's affecting uh, investment, you know, oil and gas, um, uh, you know, we have this this drama at Exxon Mobil where, uh, what is it, engine engine number one? That group got got some board members on on um, on uh, on Exxon's board, and is influencing um, decisions by Exxon Mobil to, you know, in, in what to invest. It may it may stymie investment in their uh, um, discovery off Mozambique. I read somewhere. Um, so, so it's having is having an effect, and I, and there are ties to the engine number one people and to BlackRock. Uh, so, so some of this is some of this is kind of insidious, and uh, um, again, it, it, again, it amounts to policymaking by by a, a very small group of people who are accountable to no one, and who have influence purely because of the the amount of money they. They, they manage, and that's that's troubling. Bob, when we first got involved in the uh, about the same time frame in the energy oil and gas industry, uh, digital transformation wasn't really being talked about much. <laughs> Cybersecurity, uh, boy, they've come to the forefront. And I know that you and I spoke last time we spoke together uh, at a conference was at the uh, oil and gas pipeline conference in Tulsa. Uh, back in uh, in in spring of 2018, and my topic was the digital transformation from the whiteboard to the boardroom. And I find and and I wanted to see if you feel the same way even now uh, that there's a detachment of sorts from when we just talked about ESG, for example. You have the whiteboard, the great ideas for you know from uh, uh, AI to robotics to you know cybersecurity to the digital transformation overall. But then there's the board, and you find that the board, because I've found at different conferences I speak to, there's kind of uh, an attitude that, you know, we've got it right. We don't need to change. Uh, how, how do you see the boards? In, and we talked, you mentioned about ExxonMobil and so forth. How, what kind of relationships are you seeing and how uh, reliable uh, in, in achieving these, these goals and objectives uh, are being uh, met? By the board as well as the white board delivering the message. You've 
got into an area uh, that you know much more about than I do, Mark. Um, uh, just as a just as an outsider and a and a non-specialist in those areas, I can see the the potential for for catastrophic cost if there's a breach of energy security uh, at a, at, of, of, of any sort. I should think that that would that that would have the attention of the boards and 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 lead to action but i'm just i'm just looking at you know what what's logical here and and uh, and assuming that they'll that they'll that they'll follow through with that i, I don't have any inside information um as to what actually is being done one area is is it forefront two years ago three years ago we didn't even talk about it much uh i mean i i had some columns written about it but it didn't really get much coverage because it really wasn't talked about much with hydrogen and hydrogen uh, seems to be coming to the forefront over the last couple of years for sure what are you seeing in uh, the houston area and what's uh, what's being done uh, from corporate development there there is a lot of movement on hydrogen you know they, they, there's talk about green hydrogen and 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 blue hydrogen uh, you know the problem with hydrogen is you have to you have to decompose methane or water to 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 have the to have hydrogen um and both of those require energy inputs uh those energy inputs are coming down uh i i kind of chuckle when i hear um talk about hydrogen you know green hydrogens where you know, people will say well we'll we'll use We'll use uh, solar energy or or uh, uh, wind energy to um, uh, for the electrolysis to 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 free up the hydrogen. Well, that's that's energy. That's that's electricity uh, from those sources. It's not going to, into the grid then. So you so you have an opportunity cost uh, that that doesn't seem to be factored into some of the some of the uh, more optimistic. Outlooks for for hydrogen. You know the the nice part about hydrogen is combustion doesn't doesn't yield any carbon, and that is a that is a definite advantage. There are some there are some safety issues with hydrogen. The flammability range of hydrogen is quite broad. Um, it can burn invisibly, uh, so people can walk into a hydrogen flame and not know it until they're burned. Um, uh those those disadvantages are manageable but they're not getting a lot of attention right now because the the absence of carbon dioxide emissions uh you know kind of captures all captures all the attention so uh i'm guarded in my in my outlook for for hydrogen but um that doesn't mean there's not not movement in that direction and that also doesn't mean that it that, that we shouldn't be um, looking at hydrogens, I'm, I'm sure there will be a, uh, a sensible place, a sensible role for, for hydrogen in the, in the future energy mix. But it's, um, it's not something I expect to, um, you know, totally displace oil and gas or anything like that. Electric vehicles, um, definitely uh, talked about on a daily basis. Uh, in fact, energy, uh, Bob, we used to try to get uh, folks to talk about energy and oil and gas. Uh, it's like now it's every, it's turned the channel or something talked about, especially now with the geopolitical issues before us. 
electric vehicles. Where do you see America fitting in? I know it's definitely uh, uh, looked at now worldwide uh, as a future. Uh, where will oil and gas play along with electric vehicles? Yeah, that's, that's a good question because it illustrates something that I, I think we, we will see, and that is uh, electric vehicles will, will definitely encroach in the, in the market. Uh, will gain share at the expense of 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 oil fueled uh, uh, vehicles. Uh, there's a challenge of scale, uh, and that is the the vehicle market is huge, and uh, gas and diesel uh, fueled vehicles are not going to go away just because electric vehicles come on come on the scene. Uh, it will be a, a transition in a long transition. Um, uh, you know, we may see, we, we, I think we will see some some uh, global flattening in in consumption of of uh, gasoline and diesel. We've already seen that in the in the United States. Um, but but you know when you look at the materials required for electric vehicles and especially for for batteries um uh, uh for them and you you look at the mining and the and the um uh the supply chain issues that will um that will come with scale up of electric vehicle manufacture and you realize that rather than displacing a lot of of use for um, uh, gasoline and diesel, what we'll be doing is just is just shifting the consumption of the fossil uh, liquids into um, let's call it wholesale uses. Um, the mining, the mining of all the copper that um, uh, that will the, all the new copper that will be needed uh, for all these electric vehicles for the uh, the, the the lithium and the cobalt. Uh, rare earth um, uh, elements uh, and so forth. So, to some extent, you know, the uptake of electric vehicles um, just kind of camouflages consumption of oil and gas because it pushes uh, pushes the uh, the the hydrocarbon liquids into less visible um, uh, consumption sectors. Um, and that'll that will go on until um, renewable energy is providing most of the, most of the electricity. And I don't I don't know when that happens. It's not anytime soon. Bob, who are some of the mentors? Uh, I know the students that listen to this podcast and and professionals as well love to hear about uh, those that influenced you uh, in your career as a as a writer, journalist, analyst. Uh, advisor. Uh, who are some of those individuals that got you to this point? The past editors of Oil and Gas Journal, um, uh, G- the late Gene Kinney. Um, uh, he taught me about editorial writing, um, was, a great, was, a, was a great mentor, a great journalist. Uh, the late John Kennedy was my predecessor as editor-in-chief of Oil and Gas Journal. Who was an engineer and and uh, uh, and I think you know I can say that Gene Kenny taught me to think in paragraphs and John Kennedy taught me 
to think in numbers. Uh, I learned I learned um, a lot from from both those both those guys, and they have nothing but fond memories and great respect uh, for, for for both of them. Um, in terms of who do I who do I read now uh, on energy subjects? Um, um, uh, oh, um, Rob Bartley at the Institute for Energy Research um, and people who work there. Mark Mills at the Manhattan Institute, who's really good on the on the um, on the physics of energy. Um, Michelle Michelle Foss at the uh, uh, Baker Institute Center for, uh, Center for Energy Studies, I think it is. Uh, she and she and a colleague there, Gabe Collins, who, um, who who wrote some articles for Oil and Gas Journal when I was there, just published a um, a really fine paper on on all the things we've been we've been talking about. Um, uh, I uh, it, it's it 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 has so much energy realism in it. I. <laughs> they probably have to duck when they walk across the rice campus because those those aren't popular those aren't popular things to say. But they 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 raise some of the questions that I've been I've been talking about in in very academic, um, uh, well grounded well grounded ways in that paper. I think it's called the um, Energy Valley of Death or something like that. It's it's on the it's on the Baker Institute website. Um, those are people I read. I read now. There, there are others I'm just not thinking about. Um, uh, you, you can find energy realism uh, if you look for it. Uh, I'm, I'm just afraid you don't, you don't get it in the popular media, which is just kind of, you know, kind of hypnotized by the, you know, energy transition tomorrow way of thinking, and and that's leading to policy errors that'll. That'll be very, it'll be very um, costly. A, a, a case in point, just to shift gears here, it was just just last week the Federal Energy Energy Regulatory Committee uh, Commission, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission of the United States, uh, uh, embraced the um, upstream and downstream glo- uh, uh, emissions. Uh, uh, a criterion for pipeline permitting, and in other words, in other words, to get a to get the um, uh, pipeline permits that uh, the 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 FERC dispenses, uh, project uh, has to account for all the emissions associated with the project, including including upstream, you know, the the production of of natural gas and downstream, you know, how it might be used and and the emissions that result from from uh, a combustion of the of of the contents of the pipeline. Well, that's a that's just a that's just an open license to stymie. I mean, it it will be very difficult. Uh, it already is difficult enough, especially in the eastern part of the United States, uh, to win approval for pipeline construction. Uh, now it's it's going to be um, very difficult, and that that will have an effect on on energy supply in this country. Uh, that will raise the cost of natural gas. In areas that are underserved by pipelines, and already is doing so in New England and other parts of the eastern seaboard, um, uh, that's just that's just unnecessary hardship for for minuscule 
environmental gain. Um, but that's but that you know that wholesale assessment of of uh, emissions assessment uh, has been something that's been a holy grail of the activists uh, for a long time, and they just they just wanted it at the FERC, and it's it will be it will prove to be an expensive mistake. Bob, you've always challenged uh, me, and, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, those associated with energy advocates and uh, the conferences that we've attended through the years. And I uh, really appreciate the challenge to think, critical thinking, uh, to think outside the box, uh, to read, study, look at different views, and try to come up with great solutions for our future. And uh, that's what we hope we can do. I really appreciate this time today that uh, we've been able to connect and talk about energy issues and views. We could talk for much longer than this because we've got so many things to cover. But it's a, it's a, it's a good start of some things to think about for those that are listening and continue to dialogue on National Energy Talk. Thank you for being with us, Bob Tippy, a great uh, writer, journalist, and uh, we appreciate uh, all you've done as an analyst and advisor through the years. Uh, continue your great work. You've been listening to Bob Tippy and to National Energy Talk. We'll have upcoming episodes. We hope you stay tuned to those.